friends, and welcome to Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk all things reader's advisory, collection development, and reference right into your ears. I'm your host, Susan McGuire, coming to you from my brand new podcast studio, which is actually just me sitting on the floor of my closet. Well, this sure is a time. Gosh, great. The COVID-19 pandemic is really happening. I hope everyone is self-isolating and that your libraries are all closed to the public as per ALA's recommendation. We here at Booklist are very lucky that most of our work can be done remotely. It's different. Uh, It's kind of a pain. But I know it has helped me to be able to do my job while also staying safe. And my dog really likes it. Although he is very curious about what I'm doing right now in the closet with the door closed. Now more than ever, content creators are using the phrase now more than ever, which makes me nuts, but maybe I'm just a little on edge because, you know, pandemic. I'm basically holding on by a thread, and that thread is rereading Blue-Eyed Devil by Lisa Kleipas again and again and again. Save me hearty Kates, you magnificent jerk. JK, he's not a jerk. I mean, he's kind of a jerk, but he totally redeems himself. Anyway, I've read this book like 1,600 times by now. I also recommend Love is Blind on Netflix to anyone interested in the foibles of the human condition, but I recommend cross-stitching while you do it, so when someone does something really embarrassing, you have something to look at that is not the television. Watch it. Talk about it with your coworkers. They've all watched it, even though they won't admit it. Turns out, I am not the only book lister self-medicating with comfort books and TV and movies and just anything that will keep us out of our own heads. I talked to a few of my coworkers about what they're watching and reading and doing, and that's all we're going to talk about on this episode of Shelf Care the Podcast. So have a listen, enjoy some suggestions, all of which are listed in the show notes on booklistonline.com. Hooray! And please, everybody, take care of yourselves, and we love you. Hello, this is Booklist's audio editor, Heather Booth, with some more audiobook suggestions for you, podcast listeners, and your patrons. I'm going to assume that for many of you, like for me, it's been a little harder than usual to focus these past few weeks and months. I sit down to watch TV or listen to the news or read, and I find my mind wandering, or more truthfully, it's less of a wander and more like a sprint from place to place. The moments where I have really been able to sink into a story lately are the moments when I'm listening to audiobooks, but not just any audiobooks. The type I've found to be a particular balm lately are a genre that's different from my usual fare. Where I often tend to prefer gritty nonfiction or morally ambiguous characters, the audiobooks I've especially enjoyed lately are those that draw on the oldest stories, fairy tales, myths, and legends. Perhaps there's something about the familiarity of the plots, or the way justice and good tends to prevail, or the way evil is clearly identifiable to the listener, if not to the protagonists. Add to that the delightful fact that many audiobooks that draw on myths and legends are narrated with lovely accents that have the power to transport us listeners to faraway times and places. It's a good match. And here are five recent books that do it well. Circe by Madeline Miller, read by Perdita Weeks, produced by Hachette Audio. This debut narration by Welsh actress Perdita Weeks earned her honors left and right, including being named the Adult Audio Editor's Choice Top of the List for 2018. And it's so well-earned. Weeks effortlessly glides into the first-person narration of Circe, daughter of the Greek sun god Helios. Circe's epic story of the folly of man and the whims of the gods makes for compelling and satisfying listening. Gingerbread by Helen Oyeyemi, read by the author, produced by Books on Tape. 
Nigerian-born British author Oyeyemi reads her own work here, a first for this author, in a lilting English accent. While the story is contemporary, it, like all of Oyeyemi's books, draws on fairy tales and legends and remixes them, drawing out the darker threads and weaving them into an absolutely transfixing tale. A Tall History of Sugar, by Cordella Forbes, read by Robin Miles, produced by Highbridge. Robin Miles employs a musical Jamaican accent to tell this lushly written story. She pulls us right into the decade-spanning romance between the book's two main characters. Infused with myths and mystery, rich settings and compelling characters, A Tall History of Sugar transports the listener. Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman, read by the author, produced by Harper Audio. I always want to hear Gaiman's books narrated by only him. With his light English accent sometimes lulling in calm tones, sometimes shifting to suit the characters, and an impeccable sense of timing, Gaiman turns this conversational telling of Norse myths into a memorable and masterful modern storytelling experience. Grimm's Fairy Tales by the Brothers Grimm, read by a full cast, produced by Listening Library. I'm ending with this one as it's one of my favorite audio collections. In addition to being a fantastic refresher on our favorite fairy tales and an introduction to the ones too dark to have made it into our childhood picture books, it's the who's who of audiobook narrating talent. If you find your attention so challenged these days that a full-length audiobook is too much to tackle, this is an ideal alternative. Brief respites from our current reality into rich, magical worlds. Also, you Dion Graham fans, 100% need to listen to him here as a lion with a spine-tingling growl. So that's what I've got for you this episode. I'd love to know what shelf awareness listeners are listening to these strange days when you're not listening to the podcast. Maybe you've found escapism in another genre. Or are you one of those diehards re-listening to the hot zone? Drop me a line at booklist underscore audio on Twitter with your picks. Oh, and tag the narrator if you can. A bunch of them are out there in the Twitterverse, and they really do love hearing from listeners. This is Booklist's audio editor Heather Booth wishing you health and happy listening. My name is Dan Kaplan, and I'm the circulation manager for Booklist magazine and publications and websites. So a lot of us have emailed you about passwords and access and things. Yes, a lot of librarians are using Booklist Online from home, and it's been great. Yay. Well, so while that has been going swimmingly, what else have you been doing to kind of keep yourself sane and afloat during this pandemic time? Well, so I've got my wife and two kids who are normally wouldn't be here are with us. And uh, so we've we've kind of had an opportunity to have some good family time and also figure out how to work separately in a uh, house and, and try yeah. not to overlap each other. Yeah. Um, so we've I've watched probably more TV and shows than I normally would. Anything um, in particular? Yeah. So, well, we got a chance to finish up the uh, whole series of Miss Maisel. And that was, uh, that was good. We enjoyed it. And The Marvelous Misses. The Marvelous Miss Maisel, yeah. So it's been fun. We kind of metered it out so we could enjoy it. I've seen a few, started a few episodes of Barry. Or no, I shouldn't say I started the series. And I've seen a few episodes of Barry, which is, yeah, that's a really funny kind of, you know, executioner meets actor, you know, becomes an actor. So that's a right. funny Right. I have been wanting to see that because... Um, you know, I did theater in high school and college, and so I always like to see how silly actors are. And isn't Henry Winkler in it? Yes, he's awesome. He's the um, sort of acting guru, the teacher, and he's got like this acting school. And 
who would have guessed? I don't know. I haven't really kept up on his career, but he's very funny and kind of in a little little bit of a shystery way, but he's he's cute. He's he's good. I like uh, it. So that's that's fun. Uh, John Oliver, of course, as those come out, I wish they were more frequent. So those have been good. And then um, got a chance to rewatch Jojo Rabbit. That was a, a movie. Very interesting, kind of controversial, but but really cool. Little kid in Germany. His imaginary friend is Hitler. And uh, it's just, it's a bittersweet movie, but that, that was really great. And the kids liked it. And my wife liked it. So that was good. That was, that was fun. Uh, as far as reading goes, I actually got yeah. a chance to um, do a little bit of reading. Definitely ODing on, you know, like New York Times, Washington Post, all kinds of online news. Uh, news. news. And so I try to, you know, not get too overwhelmed with that. Right. But, I feel like John Oliver would be enough. He, yeah. he presents things in a way that's like palatable, but also you're informed and mad. I like going down the news rabbit hole though, because yeah. like all the details. More power to you. <sighs> yeah. Um, well, and there's other stories going on and it's good. And then as far as a book goes, I, I, I finished up, I think I had already taken out of the library uh, as an ebook, the uh, Where the Crawdads Sings. Oh gosh, yes. That was a hot book club book. Right. And I kind of, I guess I I hadn't really paid any attention to it. And then it was like, wow, that's the, that was the most checked out book in 2019 or something like that. And I was like, oh, well, I got to check that out. And I really enjoyed it. It was Okay. So it lived up to the hype. Very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the thing I also thought about was like, what I'm not listening to reading, whatever, is that I, since I'm not, I'm I'm typically a commuter and I Mm -hmm. am not listening to like NPR the way I normally do. You know, in the afternoon, I'm not getting my news. I'm not listening to a New York Times daily podcast as often. And I'm taking long walks, but for whatever reason, not really listening. Maybe I'm just kind of unplugging. Well, because I, yeah, I mean, and that's part of your routine. And your routine is sort of messed up. Well, I have to say, Dan, I'm very impressed by the quality and quantity of media you're consuming. Your question gave me uh, some time to uh, sort of assess what I've been doing. And I guess it's more than more than I thought. But I, how much of it is, is distraction and how much is positive forward looking stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to do the, you know, what I normally do. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. Well, I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad your family's with you. All right. Well, thanks for chatting. Stay quarantined. Hi, I'm Pauline Mall. I'm an editorial intern at Booklist. Pauline, thank you for coming out of self-isolation to talk to me. Although we're, I guess we're still in self-isolation because we're over the internet. Yes, we just came onto the web for it. Yes. So tell me, what media are you consuming to keep yourself sane during this time? So a couple of things. For a while, it was pretty difficult to get myself to read because the anxiety of the outside world was keeping me from the really active part of reading. So at the beginning, I was watching a lot of TV, watching a lot of Futurama, which I grew up with The Simpsons. And so everyone naturally was like, you have to watch Futurama, but I never got around to it. So that's kind of productive in a way. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, checking that off the list. Although, you know, I don't necessarily, besides work, obviously, I don't, I'm not necessarily feeling the pressure to be productive in this moment. But yeah, I've appreciated that, you know, I've been able to set that down. I know people have been struggling with that for sure. But I also have been playing a lot of the new Animal Crossing game. So now as the resident young person... (laughs) 
I need you to tell me about Animal Crossing. So that's on a Nintendo game. Is that right? Yes. So the newest one is for the Nintendo Switch. Honestly, my sister convinced me to get it. We're roommates. And my sister was like, you have to come to my island. You have to play this with me. And so I got it. And it's very, like, basically the whole point of the game is that you are inhabiting like a deserted island and you're building your little community and society kind of from the ground up. So kind of Um, like Sims-ish? Yeah, definitely comparable to The Sims. But it's very calm and the game is synced with real time. So there's only so much you can do in a given day. Although people can go in and change the time on their game system to like (laughs) time travel, but that's beside the point. Right. I have enjoyed it because in a time when I can't go outside and can't engage in the world like I usually do, you get to garden in the game and other like villagers that are in your town and go fishing and build stuff. And it's very like, there's a mindfulness to it, I think, because there's not really a, it's not an action or like reaction speed kind of game. It's like a very slow paced experience. So do you have an avatar, like a a character that you're always playing? So you build your self and then you can change your appearance in the game. And if you, you know, you can save money and buy new outfits and stuff and you have to order them and then you don't get them until they come in the mail the next day. That is really cute. It's very cute. I feel like the last video game I played was um, Escape from Gargamel's Castle on ColecoVision because I am an old person, but this seems like even less stressful than that. Very, very low stress. I think the only stressful thing is that sometimes when you're harvesting fruit from your trees, a wasp will fall out of it and sting you. Oh, well, just like real life. Exactly. Just like real life. (laughs) I love it. But no pandemics, huh? Yes. Pandemic-free world. Yeah. Well, that sounds wonderful and comforting. And is there anything else that you're doing or that's kind of the main thing? I mean, and working, obviously. (laughs) In terms of media, I've also, I've started to read now that things have gotten into a little bit of routine. I'm reading Space Opera by Catherine Valente. Oh, yeah. And that's a funny one, right? It's so funny. Yeah. I think it's from 2018. It has a very like Hitchhiker's Guide vibe to it. So it's been a nice little piece of escapist art in these times. I love that you're escaping or that your comfort is to just not be on this world. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I think we need that. When I was, I studied theater in college and, and there, I think myself and a lot of my contemporaries would sometimes rag on escapist art because we were like, everything needs to be political and of consequence. But I think what I've learned getting a little bit older is like escapist art, we built that. And so it is of our world. And yeah. I don't necessarily think that it is about tuning out of what's going on, but rather looking toward maybe like a more utopian part of our imaginations and tapping into what is still good about humanity, about our society, so we can lean into that. And of course, I've been staying abreast of the news and trying to join mutual aid efforts and help out where I can. But it's the balancing act of taking care of yourself and trying to take care of the world. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And good luck with your virtual garden. Thank Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for explaining Animal Crossing to me. And I hope you continue to stay safe and well. You too, Susan. Thanks so much.
All right. Booklist's very own Grace Rosine. What are you consuming? What media is bringing you comfort during this time of self-isolation? Well, I'm at my parents' house with a few of my siblings, and we've, we're taking kind of a two-front approach to this kind of stay-at-home order. Excellent. Um, while some people are kind of using it to, you know, help others or get in shape or learn a skill, we kind of took it as an invitation to really kind of conduct thorough research on various adaptions of Jane Austen's Emma. Oh, so, that's important work. I'm glad, it's very important. glad you're taking that on. No one asked us to do it, but we thought we should be the heroes that do do it. Yeah. So what are your findings so far? Well, it started with the newest movie that came out, the Emma 2020, Mm -hmm. um, which we thought while it is, it does have a lot of true kind of scenes from the book, and they do include a lot of scenes that other adaptions don't. An unpopular opinion by us is that we didn't love it. So we're going to, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to give it kind of a three-star we thought the scenery was great, but overall, just didn't hit it. We didn't. We felt like it was a bit more for the eyes than for the Jane Austen fanatics. So that's how we kicked it off, which was a little disappointing. Okay. But that's we've been right. slowly going up. We then jumped to Gwyneth Paltrow and Co.'s Emma of 1996, which yeah. was a big hit. It was. It's the most 90s like Jane Austen movie you could ever see. The issue with that is they have the beautiful Ewan McGregor playing. Frank yes. Churchill. So yes. there is no villainy in his character because, you know, Ewan is just too kind of like friendly and perfect to be considered a villain in that. So that was a big issue because obviously Frank is the biggest villain in, I'd say, almost any of the Austin books. Come on, a, more than Wickham? More than who? Wickham? Oh, well, Wickham's, Wickham's awful. I mean, yes, Wickham is awful. In Northanger Abbey, Tilney's brother is awful. It's sad because, spoiler alert, like, right. unfortunately, Jane Fairfax just is left with this kind of like, bro who's just not nice and flirts with other ladies in front of her all the time so you know I always felt like he wasn't that bad but maybe that's because the last Emma I consumed had Ewan McGregor as Frank and so I'm like yes so bad oh my gosh no deception exactly well that's the thing well and it wasn't until we saw this modern day Emma that we really were like yeah Frank is actually awful because they really like show what a jerk he's being but the Gwyneth Paltrow one is pretty good, except, I mean, it's got beautiful people in it. Right. Yeah, Tony Collette. Collette as Harriet, it's a bomb. Love her. She's really great, yeah. And they just have, like, Knightley's really handsome. But, you know, it's just, it is just kind of like your typical 90s stars that are all good looking. So that's kind of what you get from that. And then we went kind of deep to the a 1970s six-episode miniseries, which okay. has been... We like it. I always love a good, you know, multi-episode Jane Austen version because they include everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's pretty good. They also villainize Churchill, but it's from the 70s very clearly. And it kind of looks, it's filmed in the same way that like I, Claudius is. So it almost looks like it's like a soap opera. So it's a little weird, but it's good. It's pretty good for being in the 70s. You know, it's a wild ride. All right. This is interesting. I wonder... um... I mean, plenty of libraries have that 70s miniseries on DVD. <laughs> so I wonder if people will take up the mantle or offer their own opinions. Controversial. Yes, like, tell us about it when we post the podcast, if this ever sees a lot of day. Everyone should watch, watch which was their favorite and tell we'll us, because we're, we're open for discussion. An Emma Cage match. Oh my gosh, yeah. Nobody steal that idea. But you've also, you've been doing a little reading, from what I understand. 
So I have started rereading Harry Potter and I jumped in to the fifth book, The Order of the Phoenix, because my sister had recommended reading it as an adult because the mm-hmm. last time I read it, I was in grade school because for those Potter fans, Harry is so angry in that one and he's very cranky. Yeah. And when you're little, you're kind of like, Harry, lighten up. But as an adult, I think you really do understand more about where he's coming from. And he's saying like, he's so angry and he doesn't want to like, express it all at once and he's mad at his best friends even though he shouldn't be so it's been really helpful during this wild time we're in now but also just as an adult if you're ever frustrated or don't know how to if you're really angry about something you don't know how to release it it's very nice very cathartic in a way yeah exactly that's the perfect word for it comfort and catharsis these are all things that we look for in times of trouble absolutely Well, I'm glad that you're finding some comforting books and finding some healthy competition to keep you afloat during this time. I can't wait to see you in person again. Hi, I'm Annie, Associate Editor in Adult Books with Susan. Yeah, we're sitting here. I'm recording from my closet. So this, what uh, media is keeping you sane or what has been good for you to consume during this pandemic time? So I'm not sure if this is a medium or if it's something one can consume, but I am obsessed with puzzles. I have discovered that I am an absolutely obsessive puzzle doer. (laughs) Jigsaw, Jigsaw puzzles or like word hunt and all that stuff? Definitely jigsaw puzzles. No words. No yeah. words at all. <laughs> Do you did you have a collection of them or have you been like ordering them? I didn't. So I've done puzzles before, but yeah. I never would have thought that they were like the my favorite activity and they really are right now. We we had a really well timed it was my husband's birthday like a week into quarantine and my aunt sent him an amazing cat puzzle. Ooh. And that just lifted us off into the puzzle stratosphere. I am working on a different cat puzzle from the original cat puzzle. And I sort of hate this puzzle. It's just not as nice as the first one that I did. And the puzzle piece, so I make fun of Dan for, you have to delete this. (laughs) You know how sometimes you're putting a puzzle together and you're like, does this fit? And if you have to ask, the answer is no. But this puzzle, it sometimes is yes because it's not a nice puzzle. So let that be a lesson. Unto everyone. Unto everyone. And I have this dream of a utopian puzzle sharing society where we just drop off our puzzles at someone else's house, maintaining social distance and they let the puzzle sit. Because you know, you can redo a puzzle, but we need to like share and share alike right now, you know? Mix it up. Yeah. A puzzle exchange. I like that idea. I was thinking about this conversation. I was like, why do I love this so much? And I think that it's like now that our work is so like I'm more chained to my computer than I've ever been. And I feel like there are always a million tabs open on my computer and thus in my mind. And it's such a luxury to just do one thing. Like I can look for one piece for like 20 minutes and I'm totally into it. (laughs) I love it. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you before. Yeah. So we just keep the puzzles on our dining, like half of our dining room table. Mm-hmm. And like twice I've woken up and my cat has like tried it overnight, <laughs> taken a little puzzle joy ride. Mm-hmm. And there is a missing piece. There's definitely at least one missing piece in my current puzzle. 
Oh my gosh. And I know I'm like, well, it has to be in the house if it was her, but I can't find it anywhere. And now I feel like the puzzle is broken. And now whenever I can't find a piece after a few minutes, I'm like, well, this one's lost too. (laughs) Yeah, that's only true so many times. It, It can only be true so many times. I hope it's not like, okay, the, we're going off the rails here. This is going to be edited out. But you remember that scary story when like the <laughs> old woman is doing the puzzle and then she puts the last piece in and it's like, there's a murderer behind her. No, what? I did a bad job telling it. Like the, <laughs> as she's doing the puzzle, she realizes that it's like her room that she's in doing the puzzle. And then oh. a villain coming through the window to murder her. So what if those are the pieces that are missing? Well, then I'm grateful. Then once again, Fabi has saved my life. But I mean, you'll still get murdered. You just won't know it's coming. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Until you said that, I was like, this is great. We've just (laughs) (laughs) And and then you took it to the murder zone. Yeah. Well, my name is Michael Rizika. I am the office manager at Booklist Publications. All right. And so what I want to know from you, Michael, is how you're hanging in there. What media is helping you get through the quarantine? I am hanging in here pretty nicely. I've situated my desk and cleaned off my desk, uh, which needed it. The media that's getting me through it right now, I do a a minimal amount of NPR in the morning Mm -hmm. and sort of Spotify my day through work with various playlists that I have. I find that Baroque for learning and thinking on Spotify. The playlist is quite helpful when I'm... Oh, that's a good one. I I found uh, music for concentration comes in handy, but maybe I'll try the Baroque one. Yeah, Baroque one is very even and and very calming, so I like that one a lot. But once the day is done, I transition into my after-work mode. Yes, party time. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Um, which usually consists of me prepping for my dinner, and I've got comfort TV on, basically, which is right now I'm going through Star Trek Voyager. And uh, once I have dinner, then I'll get into concentrated TV watching or Netflix watching, which usually consists of gritty Scandinavian mystery series. Okay. (laughs) Which I've been watching the Valhalla Murders, which is an Icelandic murder mystery. And it's one of those that usually has a bunch of detectives that have various problems in their own life and right. they're trying to Drink solve. Drinking to stay warm. And- yes, they're trying to solve a murder um, or a series of murders. It's very involved and, um, of course, you know, you're watching it in the original language, so you that, have to concentrate yeah. a lot more. It's good, hearty, gritty, you know, mystery fun. Yeah. Is that something that you would normally watch or you think that's just kind of like your escape it's not an escape i mean i've watched those pretty regularly yeah Um, i have been watching more escape series as things gone on i've been watching lock and key on netflix which is the series adaptation of the graphic novel by joe hill which is pretty out there i mean it's kind of scary in some moments so it's some good escapism i just went through the the marvel movies 
Yes. Or just oh, all escape. of them? Yeah. Oh, wait, starting with, was Iron Man first? Yeah. All yeah. the way I did that. through. I started that about a month ago and okay. went through them all. Oh my gosh. Well, is there anything else that's keeping you afloat? Top Chef. But oh. that, yeah, that comes on each week. So my girlfriend and I will watch that together at her place. And uh, yes. Is that, where are they this year? They are in LA and I'm from LA. So oh, nice. yeah, it's, it's good to see the hometown. Yeah. And, familiar uh, places. Yes. Although I haven't lived there in quite some time. So yeah. it's familiar yet new. Right. You're like, I remember what that neighborhood used to look like. And now they have served foam at this restaurant. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I will say that my my weekend viewing is has been um, more cooking show oriented. And yeah. it's because it's comforting. It's, yeah. you know, it's watching a process from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I'm not that much of a cook. I do fancy myself a good cook. But I mean, I know some tricks. But more than anything, it's just watching that process. And it's, and it, yes, it is comforting. And you pick up some tips along the way. All right. Well, it sounds like you're keeping yourself entertained. And I know we're keeping you busy at work. Yes. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and okay. can't wait to see you in person. All right, Miriam, what are you consuming to keep yourself sane during this self-isolation time? So fortunately, I brought home a lot of the books that I'm editing the reviews for. So I have a lot of middle grade and young adult fiction and nonfiction, and also a bunch of picture books, which is fortunate because my daughter, Shira, is really enjoying them, especially Choo Choo School. Choo Choo School. Um, That's going to be a hit. I can feel it. Yes. We've also been enjoying My America, which is about immigrants, a Karen Katz picture book. Oh, fun. Which is really nice. Apparently not coming out for another year, but it looks great. And one of my favorites, I haven't gotten through the very much of the four boxes yet, but one of my favorites so far has been Race Through the Skies, which is about early aviation history and the first aviation contest in Rheim, France in 1910 with really early airplanes. And it's action-packed and exciting and I thought it would be mildly interesting and it turned out to be great oh yay and is that middle grade nonfiction? yes cool all right well so it sounds like you're getting some good transportation related escape (laughs) exactly (laughs) we can't actually go anywhere I mean I also have one about navigation around the world so maybe that's (laughs) Hmm. I'm sensing a trend yeah there was also the sort of ancient Greek fantasy so you never know what you get Well, congratulations on having the forethought to bring all those boxes home. I brought like three galleys and regret it. And thank you for sharing Shira with us and stay safe out there. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. All right, we're recording. So can you tell me your name and how old you are and what you're reading? My name is Shira and I'm in Chichiswa and I'm four. So tell me about Choo Choo School. Uh, so in Choo Choo School, it's like this. Well, I don't think we can see it. She's going to record it. So can you tell about something that happens in Choo Choo School? Um, in Choo Choo School, there's like... What do the trains do? The trains go like... They race in the hallway. Oh my gosh, that sounds bad. And 
they make math and numbers and mm. race on track. And they like to, and Tank Car has loads of juice. Juice? Tank Car has, has loads of juice. Oh, wow. Tank Car sounds and, like pretty big, so it probably needs a lot of juice. And they wanted a whole alphabet, and they have their favorite letters R. R for railroad. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Cool. And they go home all together, and then they have another day at Choo Choo School. That sounds wonderful. I bet you can't wait to go back to Choo Choo School. I can't go to Choo Choo School. I'm not a Choo Choo kid. <laughs> oh, you just go to a regular person school? Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. Thanks for sharing that book. It sounds so good. Thank you to my booklist friends, Heather, Dan, Pauline, Grace, Annie, Michael, Miriam, and of course, Miss Shira, for sharing all of your coping mechanisms. As always, these suggestions, such as they are, will be listed in the show notes on booklistonline.com slash shelf hyphen care. Friends, listeners, I hope you are finding comfort in these dark times, whether it's from discovering something new, tackling that TBR pile, or spending time with old favorites. We'll get back to something, eventually, and maybe it won't be normal, but it will be there, and we need you for it. So stay safe, stay home, and happy reading, or watching, or playing, or staring off into the void, whatever works for you. Uh-huh.